0: Well hello my fellow weirdos, it's Dom and welcome to Horror House. So how is everyone? How was everyone's week? Was it good? I hope it was fan dabby dozy. So you will notice that this week there wasn't an intro like I normally do. And honestly, that was because I couldn't come up with one. (laughs) I know this is what happens when you get your podcast host from Wish. You know, what kind of value store podcast host am I? Get get them out. Get, get someone else in <laughs> but what i propose as a as an alternative is what do you think of diving right in to part 2 the crescendo of our two part randy craft extravaganza yes wonderful so for part 2 we're going to pick up from where we lo- where we left off last week with randy craft's ford mustang being located and being reported to the police. So on May 19th, 1975, Long Beach Police questioned Kraft about Crockwell's kidnapping and murder. Initially, obviously, I mean, he wouldn't admit to it straight away, would he? Kraft denied ever meeting Cropwell or May, and the police, suspicious of his denial, brought him to the station for further questioning. There, Kraft admitted that on or around March the 29th, he met two young people in the Long Beach parking lot in question and convinced them to drink wine and take Valium with him while he was driving. He claimed to have returned May to the parking lot and then driven with Cropwell to a side road near the El Toro off-ramp where his car became stuck in the embankment. He claimed to have gone to a petrol station on his own to contact a tow truck while Cropwell stayed with the car. Kraft said that Cropwell had vanished when he returned to his truck. How convenient. Despite the fact Kraft's roommate corroborated that Kraft called him on the day Crockwell vanished, stating that his truck was stranded on an embankment, police were left unimpressed by Kraft's account of events and two detectives attempted to charge Kraft with homicide the next week. The Los Angeles District Attorney's Office, however, declined, citing the coroner's judgment that Crockwell had died of accidental drowning based on his autopsy of the bones that had been discovered. Kraft, who was working part-time as a computer operator for a charter flight firm at Long Beach Airport, was worried by this near miss. His frequent migraines and stomach troubles worsened and sleeping only made matters worse. He was diagnosed with hypoglycemia by a doctor, a condition that Oregon serial killer Jerome Brudos also had. And we all remember Jerome Brudos. Another waste of oxygen, actually. (laughs) Kraft was arrested at Cherry Park in June 1975 for... A mystery meant for misdemeanor indecent behaviour. Randy's employer downsized and made him off soon after, but his computer knowledge landed him a job with a new consulting firm. Imagine hiring this fucking guy. <laughs> Wowza! In the meantime, after a 24-week pause, the murders resumed. On Halloween in 1975, Larry Jean Walters, aged 21, was slain in Los Angeles County. Mark Hall, 22, was reported missing from a party in San Juan Capistrano. San Juan, San Juan Capistrano. Two months later, on New Year's Eve. On January the third, nineteen seventy-six, off-duty officers discovered his naked body near the Riverside County line in the Cleveland National Forest. And it's also described by prosecutors as the worst of all Kraft's known killings, which says a lot because this guy was fucking disgusting. So, warning: this this one this one's grim. This this one is no. No bueno. (laughs) So, here we go. Discovered nude and bound to a tree, his legs had been sliced with a knife. His eyes, face, chest and genitals were burnt with a cigarette lighter. A cocktail swizzle stick was rammed through his penis with such force that it entered his bladder. His genitals had been severed and placed into his rectum along with dirt and leaves. Hall's blood alcohol level was seven times the legal limit, which, I mean, was almost certainly lethal. But the killer had ensured this by stuffing additional leaves and dirt down his throat. Oh, and the the cherry on top of this fucking disgusting cake. Hall had been alive for a significant portion of that ordeal, according to forensic analysts. Fucking hell. I, I mean... No words come to mind if, when I think about that, like, no words. I, I just, jeez. <clears throat> Kraft's relationship with Graves had ended by 1976, and he began dating Jeff Seelig, a 19-year-old apprentice Baker, and the two moved to Laguna Hills shortly after this. Despite the fact that neither man was particularly interested in monogamy, the pair saw their relationship as long term. Seelig reportedly told police that he and Kraft would often pick up and persuade hitchhikers into accompanying them to their flat for a threesome if they agreed. Seelig also stated that he was sure that Kraft had never been violent to him and that he had never... Scene craft act violently. <laughs> I'm not too sure about that one. California's mysterious predator began to claim younger victims around the same period in early 1976. Many victims were now packed into trash bags and occasionally abandoned in dumpsters, where they were discovered only when the bags tore during pickup. In 1976, nine slayings were confirmed with untold others destined for landfills, compactors and incinerators. On March the 21st, 1976, the body of 13-year-old Oliver, Oliver Peter Molitor was discovered at Manhattan Beach. Kenneth Eugene Buchanan, age 17, was discarded in Inglewood two and a half, two and a half weeks later on April 7th. Larry Armender is age 14, was discovered in Los Angeles on April 19th, followed by Michael Craig McGee, age 13, at Redondo Beach on June the 11th. Randall Lawrence Moore, age 16, was found in a garbage bag along Highway 80 east of El Cajon in October. Paul Fuchs, age 19, went missing on December the 10th near Redondo Beach and was never found. His name, however, is listed on Randy's scorecard. Other victims were abandoned near the Mexican border between Borrego Springs and Calexico. Authorities were perplexed, unable to connect their few indications to any known suspects. Kraft is not known to have killed again for 16 months after the December 1976 murder of Fuchs. On January the 3rd, 1978, homicide investigators once again gathered to discuss the pursuit for the still unidentified killer. By this time, investigators knew that there was more than one murderer on the loose. Patrick Keeney, who had confessed to the murders of 28 adolescents and young men, many of whom he had dissected and placed in garbage bags alongside freeways in Southern California, had been apprehended the previous July, despite the fact that Kraft dismembered several of his victims, he never shot them in the temple like Kiani did. F Y I, Patrick Kiani will certainly be covered in the future. That is definitely one that is on my list, not my scorecard. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm not like not like old Randy. <laughs> Furthermore, Kiani had never tortured any of his victims. His modus operandi was vastly different from Kraft's and police were certain that a separate assailant was still at large. Kraft kidnapped an 18-year-old Marine named Scott Michael Hughes on April 16th, 1978. Hughes was given Valium before Kraft sliced open his scrotum and took one of his testicles, strangled him with a ligature and dumped his fully clothed body by a freeway on-ramp in Anaheim, missing only his shoelaces. Roland Gerald Young, 23, was found dead beside a San Diego freeway two months later on the 11th of June. Young had been stabbed to death after being emasculated. Abrasions on his torso also just suggested that he had been thrown from a fast-moving vehicle. The body of a 20-year-old Marine named Richard Allen Keith was discovered abandoned beside a road in Moulton Parkway eight days later. His girlfriend had last seen him alive in the city of Carson. Keith's wrists had welts on them, indicating that he had been bound before being strangled with a ligature. Because of the fluorazepam and alcohol he had consumed at the time he was strangled, froth, throth, froth <laughs> in his throat showed that he was also drowning. And like... Die, death by drowning is like my worst fear. If if I'm going to go, then I, I, drowning is is not not for me. Not for me. Keith is also thought to be referred to as Marine Carson on Kraft's scorecard. Kraft killed a 23 year old hitchhiker named Keith Arthur Arthur Kling Klingbeal? Klingbeal, three weeks after Keith was murdered. Before being strangled with his own shoelace and dumped beside the, Inter 5 state, the Interstate 5 motorway, King Beale had consumed an enormous amount of paracetamol and alcohol. But, quite miraculously, King Beale was alive when he was discovered. But he died soon after being admitted to Mission Community Hospital. King Beale's left nipple had also been burnt with a car cigarette lighter prior to a strangling, according to a subsequent autopsy. Richard Anthony Crosby, age 20, was found discarded 200 yards north of Highway 71 in San Bernardino, San Bernardino. That always trips me up, San Bernardino two months later on September the 29th. Crosby had vanished the day before while hitchhiking home from a Torrance movie. He'd been suffocated and a car cigarette lighter had disfigured his left nipple. Top tip from Dom. Do not hitchhike. J- just don't do it. I mean, you know, the 70s was something else. You know, there were there were fucking serial killers everywhere. You know, you had Ramir- you had Ramirez, you had Bundy, Kraft, Kearney, Bonin, like you know, BTK. You know, just there were so many in the seventies. But still, don't hitchhike. Just don't do it because you know you could you could end up running into you know some Randy Kraft motherfucker, and you know that's just a bad time. That's a bad time. The last documented victim of craft in 1978 was Michael Joseph Inderbeaten, a 21-year-old Long Beach truck driver whose castrated body was discovered at a I-605 on-ramp on on November the 18th, 1978. Inderbeaten had been castrated and had been violated with a foreign object, as well as having burns comparable to those inflicted on victim Mark Hall two years before. Suffocation was the official cause of death. Kraft is not known to have killed anyone else until June the 16th, 1979, when he kidnapped a 20-year-old 20, 20 Marine named Donnie Harold Creasel and threw his body onto the 405 freeway from a moving vehicle. Although rope and burn signs showed Creasel had been chained and tortured prior to his body being discarded, The cause of death was classified as acute alcohol poisoning. On August the 29th, the dismembered remains of Keith Anthony Jackson, a 21-year-old English tourist, was discovered in two trash bags and a cardboard box behind a Union 76 gas station in Long Beach. In his rectum, you'll be absolutely shocked to know, a sock was discovered. You know, that old chestnut. Only the head, torso and left leg of Jackson were ever discovered. Jackson had been dead for several days when his body was discovered. The entry on Kraft's scorecard that simply says England or 76 is thought to be a reference to him. Gregory Wallace Jolly, age 19, was found found dead in Lake Arrowhead two weeks later on September the 14th. Jolly's head and legs had been amputated after he died and he had been emasculated as well. His personal belongings were later discovered in Kraft's house. Jeffrey Sayer, a 15-year-old Santa Anna teen, is suspected to have been kidnapped and murdered by Kraft on November 24th, 1979. Sayer was last spotted returning home from a date with his girlfriend at a bus stop in Westminster. Sayer is thought to be the subject of the entry Westminster date on Kraft's scorecard. The headless body of a 19-year-old Marine, marine named Mark Allen Marsh was discovered near the Templin Highway on February 18, 1980. Marsh was last spotted hitchhiking in the direction of Buena Park. After he died, his hands were separated from the rest of his body. Craft took a lengthy business trip to the adjacent state of Oregon in the summer of 1980. He lived in a community near Portland on, his, on this trip. He is suspected of murdering two additional victims before returning to California in August, both of whom were recorded on his, skip, on his scorecard with cryptic references, including the term Portland. On July 17th, the first victim, Michael Sean O'Fallon, a 17-year-old Denver teen, was killed. Prior to his enrollment in college, O'Fallon had been on a solo hitchhiking trip across the United States and Canada when he was murdered. See, don't hitchhike, people. Don't do it. Please. <laughs> if you learn anything from my podcast, it's not to hitchhike. Before he was strangled to death, he had consumed both alcohol and Valium. The naked, hogtied body of O'Fallon was dumped 10 miles south of Salem. On Kraft's scorecards, O'Fallon was identified as Portland, Denver, and his camera, inscribed with his mother's initials, was later discovered in Kraft's garage. The next day, Kraft is suspected of killing a man between the ages of 35 and 45 whose body was discovered by a motorway in the city of Woodburn. This victim, listed as Portland Elk on Kraft's scorecard, had ingested a toxic level of valium and Tylenol before he was strangled to death with a ligature. The bound body of a 19-year-old Marine named Robert Loggings was discovered thrown in a trash bag at the El Toro Marine Air Base on September 3rd, 1980. One month after Crass returned to California from Oregon. On August the 23rd, Loggings was last seen alive by two fellow Marines near the Pacific Coast Highway. Photographs and negatives found in Crass's possession later show Loggings slumped fully clothed on his sofa. All of these photos show Loggings with his eyes closed, which mean which makes it unclear if the victim was alive or dead when the photos were taken. I mean, with this guy, I wouldn't put it past put it past him that he was dead when he when he had the photos taken because he's a fucking shithead. Michael Cluck, a 17-year-old boy, was found dead by the Interstate 5 freeway near Goshen, Oregon, on April the 10th, 1981. Cluck had been abducted the day before his body was discovered while hitchhiking from Kent, Washington, to Bakersfield, California. The teen was killed by 31 blunt force strikes that crushed the back of his skull. Kluck had also been viciously beaten, along with being sodomised. Due to the extensive blood and debris recovered at the murder site, Cluck is thought to have been noted on Kraft's scorecard as Portland blood. Kraft had been assigned to Oregon by his employers once again at the time of the murder. Craft also went to Elaine County Hospital on the day Kluck's body was discovered for treatment of a damaged foot. On August 20th, 1981, four months after Kluck's murder, the partially dressed body of Christopher Allen Williams, a 17-year-old male prostitute, was discovered in the San Bernardino... I got that right. The San Bernardino Mountains. Williams had taken phenocytosis Fe- phenobarbital? Phenobab- phenobarbital and benzodiazepine. Ben- benzodiazepine and was discovered with tissue paper jammed deep in his nostrils, leading him to choke to death on his own mucus. And a hearty apologies for the absolute butchering of the pronunciation of the pills. I am not a doctor. I am just a humble podcast host. Please forgiveness. <laughs> Hi, this is Kelly and this is Jenna. We're the hosts of ODFN. That's one from murder. Each week we discuss a true crime murder case and intertwine our unique sense of dark humor. Each episode relates to a word starting with the letter D. The stories we tell are serious and true. Our opinions are not. But be warned, we don't hold back on the details of the case. Or our inappropriate comments and colourful language. Join us every Monday on your favourite podcast provider for a new episode of ODFM. We're on a full ride scholarship to hell. By early 1982, Kraft and Selig's relationship had become tainted by frequent uh, disagreements and periods of temporary separation the couple started going to weekly counselling sessions in Huntington Beach to work out their personal issues. And on June the 22nd, 1982, the counselling sessions began. I mean, that's a shame, isn't it, that Kraft's relationship had started to go down the shitter? On July the 29th, 1982, a Caltrans employee discovered the decaying body of a 14-year-old Pittsburgh uh, kid named Raymond Davis discarded by the Rampart Boulevard off-ramp after residents of Echo Park complained about a pretty pungent odour coming from the direction of the Hollywood Freeway. Davis's remains had been buried beneath leaves and earth with pretty rudimentary success. On June 17th, he was last seen alive in Echo Park looking for his lost dog. The team's hands were tied behind his back in the same way as victim Michael O'Fallon's had been two years before, and he was strangled to death with his own shoelace. The dog entry on Kraft's scoreboard is thought to be a reference to Davis. The body of 16-year-old Robert Avila was discovered within 40 feet from Davis's body by the same Caltrans team. Avila had, gone, had been gone since July the 21st and his body had deteriorated significant, significantly. A stretch of stereo speaker wire had been used to strangle him to death. Kraft is not known to have killed anyone else until November the 1st, 1982, when he abducted and murdered Arne Mikel Lane, a 24-year-old Modesto man. Lane was last seen hitchhiking in Orange County. His body was not discovered until January 1984, dumped on a mountainside near Ramona. The semi-naked body of 26-year-old Brian Witcher was dropped from a moving vehicle alongside the Interstate 5 freeway near Wilsonville, Oregon, four weeks after Lane's murder. Witcher had died of asphyxiation despite having consumed large amounts of alcohol and valium. Antony Jose Silviera, a 29-year-old carpenter, vanished while hitchhiking into Medford on December 3rd, 1982. Two weeks later, his body was discovered strangled, sodomised and clearly violated with foreign items prior to his murder. Kraft was known to be in Oregon on a business trip at the time of both witches and Silviera's murders, which ended the day of Silviera's death. Kraft travelled from Portland to Seattle on December the 4th to see friends. Yes, this fucking walking advert for birth control actually had friends, which is, is as stunning to me as it is to you. <laughs> During his brief visit, he was seen wearing a military jacket with the name Silviera embroidered on it. Kraft then travelled from Seattle to Grand Rapids, Michigan on December 5th for business. It was here that he met cousins Dennis Ault and Christopher Shuborn at an Amway Grand Plaza hotel seminar two days after arriving in Grand Rapids. Just before midnight, Kraft was observed con- conversing with the two in the hotel's reception area and their bodies were then discovered in an open area near the hotel on December the 9th. Prior to their sodomy and their murder, both victims had been given a drink and Valium and their bodies had been positioned in sexually provocative postures. Alt, who was 24, died of asphyxiation while Shuborn, who was 20, was strangled to death by his own belt. In addition, before Shuborn's murder, a ballpoint pen from Kraft's hotel room was shoved through his penis with such force it entered his bladder. Which, that makes my eyes water just reading that. Oh, good golly. On Kraft's scorecard, both victims were listed as GR2 in a single entry. Kraft had left a set of Shuborn's keys as well as Silviera's military jacket at the hotel. Kraft travelled from Michigan to Portland on December the 8th and within 24 hours of his return to Oregon, he had killed Lance Taggs, a 19-year-old hitchhiker. Taggs was last spotted hitchhiking from Tigard, Oregon to the Los Angeles residence of a relative on December the 8th. His body was recovered the next day dumped alongside a remote road in Clackamas County, not far from where Witcher's body had also been discovered just two weeks before. Tags, like Alton Shorebourne, had drank beer and consumed Valium before his murder, though he died of uh, asphyxia due to a sock inserted into his trachea. I really struggle with that word, asphyxia. That's not even a tongue twister either. I just can't speak words, apparently. Investigators in Oregon had theorised that their killer resided in another state and struck in Oregon only when he was there on business, based on the passage of time between periods of activity when bodies of young males were found discarded near mass transportation with alcohol and or pharmaceuticals in their bloodstream. Following the murders of Silveira, Witcher and Tags, Oregon investigators sent descriptions of the crimes to cops in other state in other states, outlining the killer's method of operation and requesting information from any cops who had had unsold deaths of young boys with comparable features on their files. Southern California counties reacted quickly as the pattern of deaths matched those related to the unidentified killer in the state. Craft's six murders in Oregon were thus linked to the murders he had committed in California, and the net was starting to close in on old Randy. Craft did not kill again until January the 27th, 1983, when he kidnapped Eric Church, a 21-year-old hitchhiker. The victim was last seen alive the day before his murder, travelling from Orange County to Sacramento, his body was discovered dumped near Interstate 605. Church had been sodomised and had consumed significant doses of alcohol and Valium, according to an autopsy. Church died of ligature strangulation and multiple stripes to the side of his skull delivered by a blunt instrument. Rope markings on his wrists also indicated that he had struggled against his bindings. Jeffrey Nelson, aged 18, and Roger Duvall, aged 20, both of Buena Park, were slain by Kraft on February the 12th. The two young boys were seen last seen just after midnight outside the home of a friend named Bryce Wilson, where they told Wilson they were going out to get something to eat. Nelson's nude body was found alongside an off-ramp near the Garden Grove freeway several hours after he and Duvall were last seen. He had been chained, sodomized, and strangled with a cord. Duvall had consumed both alcohol and pro- 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 propranol. Propranol? propranol. In addition, potato skins and grapes were found in the stomachs of both victims, which had been eaten shortly before their deaths. So here we are. It's the final murder and then the arrest of shithead Randy. It's the, the final push, guys. We're nearly at the finish line. Nearly there. So two California Highway Patrol officers saw a Toyota Celica traveling recklessly on Interstate 5 in the Orange County city of Mission Viejo at 1.10 a.m. on May the 14th, 1983. Officers saw the vehicle make an illegal lane change and called for it to come to a halt, assuming the driver was under the influence. The driver came to a complete stop and left the vehicle, spinning the contents of a beer bottle onto the pavement. Officer Michael Sterling approached the man, whom he identified as Randy Kraft, at the front of his police cruiser and noticed that his jeans were undone. Kraft was made to take a field sobriety test, which he failed, surprisingly. Kraft was then arrested for driving while inebriated. Sergeant Michael Howard, Sterling's colleague, approached the Salika and noticed a young man slumped in the passenger seat, partially covered by a jacket, with his eyes closed. Around his feet were several empty moosehead beer bottles and an open prescription bottle of lorazepam tablets. Oh, i got that first time. I mean, I was bound to get at least one right, surely. <laughs> Howard made an attempt to rouse the man, and when he, shaped, when he tried to rouse him by shaking his arm and had no response, he discovered that the man had a low body temperature. Howard discovered the man was dead with a ligature mark apparent around his neck when he checked for a pulse. When Howard lifted the jacket from the victim's lap, he noticed the victim's jeans were open, exposing his genitals. In addition, the victim's hands were bound with a shoelace and welt marks were visible on his wrist. The deceased had been strangled to death and was later identified as Terry Lee Gambrell, a 25-year-old Marine stationed at El Toro Air Base. Kraft was arrested on suspicion of driving under the influence of alcohol and detained in detention while officers searched his vehicle. Investigators discovered a belt on the back seat of the car the width of which matched the bruises around Gambrel's neck. Alcohol, tranquilizers, and numerous prescription medicines among, and stimulants were among the other incriminating evidence. The vehicle's pad- passenger seat and carpet were significantly soaked with blood, but Gambrel had no obvious wounds. The upholstery was then taken apart for forensic analysis, which revealed that the blood was indeed human. Investigators uncovered an envelope with more than 50 images of young males in obscene poses beneath the carpet. Many of the people in the photos appear to be sleeping or dead. Investigators discovered a ring binder carrying a handwritten list of 61 coded notations inside the trunk, which was, as you might have guessed, Randy's scorecard. Further incriminating evidence was discovered during a search of Kraft's residence, including the clothes and personal belongings of a number of young men who had been slain in the previous decade. The fibres detected on victim Scott Hughes matched those found on a rug. Furthermore, the couch in Kraft's living room was identified as the same as the one in the images discovered in his car. Shots of victims Eric Church and Roger Duval sitting in Kraft's car, were also uncovered on a roll of film. A ligature mark may be seen on Duval's neck in one of these photographs. So, the scorecard. Randy's personal diary of all of his hard work that I've mentioned a few times in part one and part two. The 61 neatly printed terms and phrases discovered in Kraft's trunk are thought to correspond to each of Kraft's victims. Many of the entries appear benign, yet they are all thought to pertain to a single or double murder victim. Several entries make explicit mention of the victim's identities. For example, the entry reading EDM refers to the initials of victim Edward Daniel Moore, whereas Vince M refers to victim Vincent Mestas. Other articles detail torture or mutilation carried out on the victims' bodies and or the locations they were last seen in. For example, the entry Marine Head BP is thought to relate to victim Mark Marsh, a Marine discovered decapitated after last being seen hitchhiking towards Buena Park. Other entries relate to body dump places. For example, the entry Golden Sails refers to the fact that Craig Jonatas' body was discovered in the Golden Sales hotel parking lot. The list also contains entries indicating a minimum of four double murders. GR2, victims Dennis Alt and Christopher Shuborn, 2-in-1 Beach, victims Jeffrey Nelson and Roger Duval, 2-in-1 Hitch and 2-in-1 NV2PL, neither entry of which has been linked to any double murder or disappearance. According to investigators, two victims, two of the victims of the crimes for which Kraft was convicted, Church and Gambrell, are not recorded on Kraft's scorecard. However, because the list is in code, it's possible that Church's name appears on a scoreboard as an entry that investigators can't recognise. Kraft may not have entered an entry referring to Gambrell on his scorecard because he was arrested while attempting to dispose of the body. According to these options, the scorecard contains a minimum of 65 victims and a maximum of 67. Kraft was formally charged with Gambrell's murder on May the 16th, 1983. Investigators had questioned over 700 witnesses and obtained more than 250 physical artefacts by September the 8th, pointing to Kraft's involvement in a total of 15 homicides, between December 1972 and February 1983. Kraft was formally charged with these 15 murders, as well as two counts of sodomy and one count of emasculation. On September the 26th, 1988, Kraft's trial began. Judge Donald A. McCartin presided over his trial in Orange County. During the trial, the prosecution called about 160 witnesses to testify and over 1,000 exhibits were presented as evidence. Physical evidence such as bloodstains, hair and fibre evidence found at Kraft's Long Beach home and in his car. Fingerprints found on glass shards recovered from the Hall murder scene. Negatives and photographs of victims found hidden inside Kraft's vehicle depicting the men either dead, drug or, drugged or asleep. The belt used to strangle Gambrell and prescription drugs and a buck knife found in his vehicle were presented as bits of evidence. Work and travel records as well as gasoline receipts placed craft in specific places where victims had been abducted and or discarded and the numerous personal belongings of several murder victims recovered in craft possession following his arrest were also presented. Kraft's defence centred on alibis and alternate suspects, with his lawyers dismissing much of the evidence as speculative and attempting to to depict Kraft as an eloquent, diligent and upstanding community member. They did not deny that the 16 men were murdered, but claimed they were victims of someone other than Kraft. Just want to repeat that. Upstanding member of society swing and a fucking miss. The defence also maintained that authorities first assumed several of the 16 victims were killed by one or two other serial murderers, Patrick Kearney and William Bonin, who along with Kraft were known as the freeway killers and that there was no clear evidence that Kraft killed any of the victims. Side note, Kearney and Bonin will be covered in future episodes. They are two big fish in the serial killer world. So, you know, they've got to be covered. They've they've just got to be covered. The trial lasted 13 months in total and it ended up being the most expensive in Orange County history, coming in at an eye-watering $10 million, which in 2022 money, that works out as $23,567,000 $371.09. $371.09. Holy inflation, Batman! On April the 29th, 1989, the prosecution and defense began their three day closing arguments, with the prosecution listing all of the physical and circumstantial evidence pointing to Kraft's guilt, and the defense arguing against the prosecution's circumstantial case that all murders were linked and accusing the prosecution of glossing over the truth. Following conclusion of the final statements, the jury pondered for 11 days before reaching a decision. Kraft was convicted of 16 counts of murder, one count of sodomy and one count of emasculation on May 12th, 1989. The same jury reconvened on June 5th, 1989 to hear more testimony from the prosecution and defence regarding Kraft's punishment. This phase of Kraft's trial would last until August and the prosecution introduced evidence of several additional homicides committed in both Oregon and Michigan that they were certain Kraft had also committed, but for which he had not been tried in Orange County. The defence denied the prosecution's claims as highly speculative and presented testimony about a PET scan performed on Kraft which found anomalies in the frontal lobes of his brain limiting his capacity to manage both his emotions and his impulses according to the defence. The prosecution rebuffed this testimony stating to the jury there is nothing wrong with Mr Kraft's mind other than he likes killing for sexual satisfaction, adding that the fact his family and friends had found it difficult to believe he had committed any murders simply showed what a good salesman he is. The jury returned a death conviction on August 11th, 1989. Judge McCartin formally sentenced Kraft to death three months later, on November 29th. On August the 9th, 2000, the, the California Supreme Court upheld the sentence after Kraft attempted to have it overturned. Kraft is still on death row at San Quentin State Prison as of 2022. He continues to deny any involvement in any of the homicides for which he has been convicted or is suspected of committing. Like, I don't understand with all the evidence there is. There's literally a scorecard that you kept. You kept a physical diary that has all of the information in it. But yet you're still denying that you did anything. I don't like how do you expect people to be like, oh, no, you completely innocent. That is good. Let him out. Let him out. I, uh, boggles my mind, man. Like, it, it just boggles my mind. And that is the end of our two-part Randy Craft extravaganza. The 70s, man. What a time to be alive, huh? You know, it, people say, you know, today is too violent. I wish I lived in the 70s. And I'm just like, y- you know who it was about in the 70s, right? You don't want to... No, just no. <laughs> if you made it through both parts, I'd tip my hat. It was, it, was, it was a tough two episodes, but we did it. We got there. Next week, we have a lighter episode. It's about a water park that operated from 1978 to 1996. A nice, fun episode about a nice, fun water park where seven people died and the people that operated the rides were underage and health and safety was non-existent and the owner of the park decided to create his own insurance company out of the Cayman Islands and insure himself because nobody else would. <laughs> it's wild. Action Park was the name of the water park, and was it was in New Jersey. And it's oh, it, it's it's obscene. So be sure to tune in for that. In the meantime, follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at HorrorHouse underscore pod and like the Facebook page at Horror House Pod. HorrorHouse, True Crime and the Macabre can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts and please leave a review and a rate on Spotify. Also, be sure to visit the merch store as well, which will be linked in the show notes. So all that's left to say, my fellow weirdos, is until next time, stay spooky.